0: The Big Red Couch, a podcast about making role playing games. A group of GMs and players
1: draw ideas from the mystery box and bring their game pictures to you. Good evening, listeners, and welcome to The Big Red Couch. Tonight's episode of exclusive fireside chats with Craig and Ben is episode 94, and our prompt is Taylor, Tinker, Soldier, Barista. I'm Craig, and On the other side of the world, with apparently much worse weather, is Ben.
0: Our weather is great. Our is the best in the world. I don't know where I'm going with that. To be honest, I just wanted to be really aggressively patriotic about our weather for some reason. It's been crappy. Have you been following sports broadcasts? (laughs) No, I've never followed sports broadcasts. They make no sense at all.
1: (laughs) Okay. I mean, I, I saw something on Penny Arcade years ago where they were suggesting that sports is basically a form of game, which just confused the hell out of me, but right yeah you know, they're, they're specialists in the field they should know they, they they were able to demonstrate a link between like football and Dungeons and Dragons which is just baffling
0: well I, I suppose New Zealand has been patriotically like winning the America's Cup and losing some sort of rugby thing so yeah maybe it's in the air
1: is that what happened I because I'm not following the actual rugby event tour probably I'm showing my staggering ignorance here sorry folks I've just been following the comments made by other people on my Facebook feed, and because they're so busy slagging each other off, I couldn't actually tell what the result of the thing was. It's hilarious. It does get like that. Now, I, I can tell that somebody shouldn't trust somebody else. For some reason, the French were involved. I don't know why No. or how.
0: That is confusing, yes. Well, I got to explain to someone the actual studied economic Impact of the All Blacks winning and losing games, and apparently, well, at least in previous decades, if you know the All Blacks lost a game, apparently the national productivity increased because everyone was we sort of somehow felt personally responsible for the loss and was going to try and make up for it somehow. Weird,
1: very weird, yes. And I'd heard of it about effects on on the political landscape that if they won then in an election year, then you were unlikely to have a change of government. But if mm. they lost in an election year, it was more likely that you would.
0: Yep. Country is that big, folks.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, apparently, apart from our dreadful parochial tiny-mindedness and dreadful weather, um, not much else going on. It's pretty much normal. Yeah. we,
1: we We've had ridiculously hot weather here. Uh, It has, on a few occasions, the the outside temperature has gotten 30 degrees or more, which I went and looked this up, and that's approaching 90 Fahrenheit, at least according to Google Assistant. I mean, for all I know, Google Assistant is lying to me, but it's not like I went and double-checked. But it's been quite lovely. What is Fahrenheit again? It's like 100 Fahrenheit's the boiling point of Pepsi or? Something like that. Yeah, Pepsi boils at 100 Fahrenheit and... Mountain Dew becomes drinkable at zero. I'm I'm hazy on the details, to be honest.
0: Okay, fair enough.
1: No, it was Diet Mountain Dew becomes drinkable at zero. It's cold enough that you can't taste it. So we can basically wave bye-bye to that Pepsi-Cola sponsorship at this point, can we? I mean, that that was just gone. That was safe. That was safe. Okay, yeah. I just have to rely on the funding from Big Polyhedral. All right. Yep, so it, it does mean that there's been many, many occasions where it's been possible to sit in the outside courtyards of pubs. In the evening after work, chatting with people and enjoying the occasional drink. It's been rather pleasant and extremely English. It did
0: sound super fucking English, just, just in case you hadn't noticed.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I haven't yet gone to the experience of high, going, going for high tea somewhere, but I should at some point just for the, uh, the novelty of it, though I may need to change out of my ratty cargo shorts that have been stitched up by somebody who didn't really know what they were doing in a hostel kitchen. Fair enough. That might not be high tea enough for for the purposes. Oh, let's see. Oh, and I, um, I, I was asked yesterday whether it would be possible to do a shout out. Oh. oh because yep, yesterday, we're, we're recording this on a Sunday. So on Saturday, uh, one of the folks uh, here in Aylesbury, who organizes the Aylesbury movie meetup, uh, was kind enough to basically take me on a drive to various places around the town that are actually a bit of a pig to get to if you don't have a car, mm. which I currently do not. So I got to visit tiny, tiny little towns scattered around the Buckinghamshire countryside and go up a hill and actually walk through forest, which is, well, at least woodlands, which is the first time I'd been able to do that since Edinburgh in February. Mm. So that was kind of cool. It was quite a nice day. So thank you, Terry. Very much appreciate it. Good on you, Terry. Good on you. Nice. Also, doing so in actually a rather nice car, quite fun. Mm-hmm. Oh, the car's name is Bruce. Right. Yeah. Just sort throw, throw that in there. Okay. <laughs> I'm... I used to own a car named Blue Sweeney. I'm not really in a situation to judge.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm suddenly a little bit more <laughs> glad that you made it back from your trip to the woods. <laughs>
1: Yes. a strange man I met on the I met on the internet took me on a drive to the world. wait
0: I'm still struggling with the
1: idea that Buckinghamshire
0: isn't actually in Middle-earth
1: I'm going to be honest here there're bits of it they could have shot the hobbit films in mm. uh, in the view for I, I can actually I'll, I'll see if I can get my shit together to post a few pictures in the in the show notes because yeah there're bits of it that are just well okay obviously it's really really English because it's in England But it is really, really English. (laughs) And you sort of got the patchwork of fields with stone walls and the hedgerows and this sort of thing. Right. And buildings that are sort of slowly and relaxedly slumping outwards over the centuries. But it's still being used because they're a perfectly functional music venue. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not even making that bit up. All right, so... I I do not have the card in front of me. So did Taylor Tinker Soldier Barista come to us from... Ketamono? It did indeed. It it kind of felt like a Ketamono one. Mm -hmm. Uh, Do you have an idea for this one? I mean, I I kind of have an idea for this one. I do. All right. And we also have some audience response, one of which should have made it into the previous episode that didn't because I'm crap. Do you want to go first? Sure. I looked at this and thought, this is clearly a team. Specialized
0: unit precisely tailored with the correct skills and knowledge to take on a very specific target and then i looked at it went that's really weird so flash forward 50 years in the future the climate has changed not dramatically but enough that basically new zealand exports coffee and hemp that's about it
1: so northland finally has an economy yes Yes, it does. Nice. <laughs> they, they, they've had a shit of a time.
0: The world is no longer immersed in social media to the extent it was in the early part of the uh, 21st century.
1: Okay, you lost hmm? <laughs> Sorry, go ahead.
0: Largely because people realised it was doing them no good, and uh, it's become less useful to, to most folks. The waterfront in Auckland is uh, a little bit more watery. Possibly that tide line's crept back up to where it was... Um, late in the 1800s, before they started reclaiming things. So the place is a little bit more like Venice than it used to be. It's also very eclectic, kind of, sort of strung-together dwellings between buildings and so forth. It's not like a post-apocalypse things, but stuff is being jury-rigged and held together, and basically people are making do. So it's a little bit cosy catastrophe? A little bit, a little bit. There's lots of, lots of vines and tangles of electronics, and people people keeping, keeping things running in and, and not entirely tenable situations. Presumably there are um, shiny glass and ceramic hives of industry and technology and other places, but this place is kind of rusty and run down and waterlogged. You know, just a little bit oh, like the, the, that amazing hyper-urbanized part of Hong Kong that was knocked down. And um, the last couple of oh, yeah,
1: Kowloon Walled City. Yeah,
0: yeah. So it was. It's got. So it's a. It's a little bit more claustrophobic and damp and odd. But into this place where all of the the trading and the underground, all of the you know, the the people who are really hooked into the the coffee the, the coffee supply, the where fabric is being made and so forth, and where things come in to be traded, because you know Auckland's still a port. It's just. You know, the port's moved slightly, possibly inland. And I suppose it's a bit like split-second, except less uh, grey, ray, and neon, and with not as much root canal. I'll allow it. <laughs> hey, any movie with the line, was it coffee, chocolate, and bigger fucking guns? Yeah,
1: <laughs> Yeah, gums. We need bigger gums. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> yep, so this team... The assembled, so that the tailors there to make sure that that you know it, they're not just you know in there for the fabrics. They're also good at making sure people that the the team blends in that they're they're part of the fabric of society, as it were. So the disguises and their their outfits and they're the face men. Nice. The tinkerers, the that's plugged into the skeins of technology that do exist, because it's not completely lapsed. It's just. It's much less likely that people in this community will be carrying around something that's talking constantly to the internet. So that, but they're there to keep, keep track of that stuff. Soldier, they're the doer, shall we say. Maybe they have combat skills. Maybe they're just good at physical activity and, you know, eh, getting into places, scaling things, doing stuff like that. But the is the important one. He has all the contacts he knows everybody and he can find a damn good cup of joe
1: interesting i'm getting kind of a leverage feel off it well
0: yeah this has got you've got four specific roles and i thought that's probably a a interesting place to go with it and from there you could run anything even vaguely shadow or leverage from there except the rather than say in the shadow run World where you have the horrifying gunplay, and so the firepower is what makes you effective. It's possibly the fact that you have economic contacts and you know who's trading with what and who will have the information you need. Huh. So make it more of a yeah, more of an economically driven.
1: Is it uh, is it Eclipse Phase or Freeport or something that had Don't know. It's kind of a reputation-based economy. Possibly. I, I do not know. One for the listeners or possibly for the fool writing the show notes? Oh, mm. that's me. Yes. Yes, it is. What have I done? Me play gods. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> me Miam go too far. <laughs> that's pretty cool. Uh, you could also, just the, the sort of the, the very defined roles also kind of screams out apocalypse world hack.
0: If, if you want to take it to that extent, you there is enough there's enough cause to go to something
1: i guess the
0: where say apocalypse world is very much focused on survival in uh, limited resources maybe it's the the idea for a game like this is to literally staying afloat amongst shifting alliances and allegiances and so forth maybe the idea is that you have capital of various forms, but it's underpinned by certain things and you need to make sure that you are not putting all your eggs in one basket, as it were.
1: Mm. Would you see the... Yeah, would, would you see the, the sort of the, the, the PC group as you know, trying to improve things for themselves and getting out, trying to... What sort of stuff would they do, do you think? Well...
0: Getting out might be an ultimate goal, but the idea that I think that they're, they're also very much specialized to the craft that they've got. So may not be as applicable somewhere else. Maybe that's part of the tension. Maybe, maybe making good, you need, you can't just say, right, I'm going to be a farmer and leave because you'd be starting from scratch. What you need to do is make sure that you've got your, your stake. You've got something that allows you to move, you to move out. Maybe, uh, maybe, maybe the, um, the, the waterfront area isn't a bad life, provided you're like not on the the the, the very lowest level. Maybe they're mm. they're working to make it more habitable in general. It depends on the goals of the the party. I don't know if it would be. Yeah, I hadn't thought out as far as like ultimate goals for the players. That's
1: probably something they'd want to craft themselves. Each character's like to have their own. Yeah, I mean you could go in the direction of if, if you wanted to go with a slightly creepier vibe, uh, you could go in the direction of. Uh Land of the Dead or uh From Dusk till Dawn, where you've got this this retirement to wonderful place option. Because hmm. I don't know, it could have just been me, but I always got the impression that the place that the Gecko brothers in Dusk till Dawn was uh, were heading for maybe wasn't actually that nice a place. Hmm. And Yeah, similarly, Land of the Dead. You had this guy. You know, the one of the antagonists had basically been working for years to try to get himself a stake so that he could move into the the rich, secure, wonderful bit of the world the
0: the capital district, as it Mm. were. Like the the front of the train from Ice Pierce or something like that. There's a rigidly stratified social class thing, and. Yeah, you know, me. May, may, I mean, maybe it's entirely possible for somebody who, who's you know talented and ruthless enough, but they'd have to abandon someone. Maybe somebody they're currently working with. Maybe just you know I mean, humanity in general.
1: Hmm. <laughs> yeah. So if you went if you went down that route, I can definitely see um, Apocalypse World working. If you decided not to go down that route, then well, okay, you could still just hack Apocalypse World, but something more in the, the leverage line. Might have more of the vibe, shall we say? Apocalypse
0: Sword. You've always got an option, provided that you're, you're, um, to take an advancement where you retire the character to safety. That's always mm. that's always part of the game. But it's more the idea that, ha, huh, the character's story is complete. I will take that character and move them somewhere
1: safe, and you
0: know, that's entirely relative. But yes,
1: the, Rel- relatively safe. Yes.
0: But the idea that intrinsically the game is about that sort of—I don't know—maybe I never, I never saw Elysium. I suspect that had the same sort of element where life on the ground is shit, and life in orbit is just peachy. But you had to—you had to basically disregard everyone
1: else because you couldn't get everyone to orbit. Hmm. Yeah, that—that that would be an interesting one, and. Frankly, having something that's a bit uh, a, a bit local based is always nice.
0: Hmm. Well, the idea of, of coming up with what, you know, what would New Zealand's version of like the interzone from Naked Lunch or, you know, a an exotic compressed community. Because, you know, apart from the odd vaguely eclectic street, we don't do that. We just don't have the population density or the, 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 the kind of circumstances where you say, right, this is the, the the creative bizarre part of town. It's just not that well. Maybe not not maybe not for for, for decades. Yeah, not so, not so much anymore. Yeah. So and yeah, I, I, you know the the feeling of this would probably be a bit throwbacky as well. So
1: maybe a bit more like the seventies or something. Nice. That that would be interesting. I would I would I would like to take a bash at that because that sounds. Also, I just quite like the idea of the the. The roles that aren't aren't a hundred percent descriptive but are more thematic mm. and smuggled coffee shipments yeah, I think it might have come a little
0: bit from the new series of Dark Matter, where they've gone away from they had a, the vaguely the vaguely sneaky guy, the shooty lady, the very shooty guy, the guy who didn't shoot things but could could had lots of swords, and the confused looking youngster. And they've gone through several several evolutions and they recently had a um basically a, a Mr Johnson, or at least a trainee Mr. Johnson and his bodyguard joined the team. Hmm. So yeah, so they've been they've been moving those sorts of roles around a bit. So yeah, and but the idea that you know these maybe just, you know, reapproaching some of the archetypes that you see in games like the charismatic character and the guy who chops things up. Might be interesting.
1: Mm, yeah, and just the idea of smuggling a yeah smuggling a hemp shipment. No, it's actually hemp from down from Northland mm. would be entertaining.
0: There would have to be some sort of outside agency to work against, even if it's not directly antagonistic or hostile. Just keep the keep the tension keep the tension
1: going. Depending on whether the, govern, the there's any sort of government left, it could just be the um, people wanting to clip the ticket along the way. Mm. That, you know, if you travel down the normal routes, your cargo will get here, but you'll get about 60% of it. Or you could try to go off-road, as it were. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you could have some fun. Yeah, I like that. You could have some fun with that. Particularly... Yes, particularly if you've got people sort of crashing around in, in Northland with its very weird transport linkages and strange bits of geography. Hmm. And if you wanted to go for the full-on blockade run, I can think of at least one spot where you've got this damn near impassable by-vehicle mountain range and one cut.
0: Yeah, it could be interesting. All right. Nice. Did you have a, a notion?
1: I did. I actually took notes for mine, but mostly because I had the idea fairly early on in the piece and didn't want to forget it. I, I do have to do a shout-out to an episode of Season 1 X-Files. Okay. Called Fallen Angel, which basically crashed UFO. There's an alien, or presumably an alien, moving around, being hunted by the governmental forces. There's a UFO hunter who arrived on site before the crash occurred... And the the sort of implication seems to be that the alien has is, is sort of tracking this guy, this UFO hunter in order to use him as some means of escape So that was that, that, that's the episode And yeah what I thought for thought with Tinker Taylor a soldier barista is these aren't particularly high profile jobs hmm they they're the sort of sort of job that can exist in a wide variety of wide varieties of of cultures and sort of economies and countries. And so I had the idea of you've got an a species that is maybe invading or maybe exploring or maybe just passing through that are able to use people as safe houses, more or less. Like a capex kind of thing? I've not seen
0: Capex, but alien possession kind of symbiosis kind of
1: Yeah. Think think, possession, or guy who is completely insane and eats a banana. Right. was in K-Pags where somebody sort of eats a banana without actually peeling it first? It
0: could be. I don't know. It was Kevin Spacey. It was, pretty, it was a pretty good film. I don't remember the banana bit, though. They're basically using
1: people as housing units, and the people are chosen based on not being high profile. So there wouldn't be one in the Joint Chiefs of Staff... But the person who runs one of the people who runs the Starbucks in the lobby at the Pentagon maybe would be hmm you know, reasonably low profile situation and you know I sort of had the idea that the the sort of human housing units could be encouraged to move around but it's you know sort of without actually having an occupant but it's it's a subtle thing and it doesn't always work and it doesn't always work accurately or particularly quickly so that's kind of the setup there the way i'm figuring it is you probably would would do this as kind of a mystery game that you've got people who just start finding themselves with patches of missing time or finding themselves drawn to go places with no really good reason to do so okay realistically you might want to go with the um yeah the set the setup for the invasion thing maybe or yeah you could go with the bunch of refugees if you wanted to go a bit topical okay so where does what's the player's perspective in the game i think it would to a little a a certain extent it would depend on what's the what the goals of the the folks moving through are but if you assume they're uh, if not actively hostile then at least not uh, not that concerned about people. It's probably going to be to throw a wrench in their works or at least negotiate something. I figure it, the PCs probably come into it with the standard sort of conspiracy-type plotline that they discover there's some weird shit going on and we are the ones who've noticed it. So you could bung it into a sort of a Bureau 13 or a dark conspiracy or, or that kind of investigatory game. I mean mm. equally you could potentially have a bit of fun dropping it into a a fantasy game.
0: Actually, I have a I have a a sub pitch for you. Yep. Okay. Well, you uh, you you you're, you're in the X-files, you're running the um you're running Bureau 13 or something. You're good old-fashioned defenders of humanity, ain't gonna ask types. And but you discover a weird pattern about the support staff or just general kind of people around your organization where you know, there's the, you, you've, you've caught on, especially overall over a period of time, if you're doing like sequential missions and so, and so forth, maybe the guy who, who gets you your coffees just happens to know who you were, where you were and let something slip. It's like, what's going on here? You discover that there's this terrible alien conspiracy to get, Small time role jobs in the shadow of these giant organisations who can absolutely protect them from extraterrestrial threats. It's the, it's like the first step towards the Men in Black full collaboration thing. But it's like mostly there's these alien like refugees or people just they're just trying to escape. Or they're, they're managing. They know about these these authorities because that's the point of contact for you know alien governments or. Invading armies or something like that, but they're using them just to, you know, to to get themselves back on their feet, and it's kind of a a clearinghouse for the um for the people passing through.
1: Nice. Okay, yeah, that that is how to make the game work. I think mm. it
0: could be a good point of difference from you know horrible brain-eating alien parasites. Ah, it's all terrible. But George, George, who's been bringing us our coffee for six months now, is also an alien, and he's fine. He lent me 20 bucks. It's like, okay. Nice. Pull back on the the, the paranoid alien hunter thing to the, eh, they're just folks. Some of them are dicks, but that's what folks are.
1: So would the the game be the sort of realization of what's going on, followed by the investigation and realize... No, actually, these guys are okay. These guys aren't actually the threat.
0: Hmm. Well, the idea would be to your standard sort of thing where you, you have an NPC, you introduce NPCs. The parties, for no reason, latch
1: onto one of them. They, they decide that this person is the best person ever. That does tend to happen with monotonous regularity, yes.
0: I think it's a, there are
1: certain cubicles, and
0: you know, players' minds are pretty busy, but mostly they're dealing with threats, and they... they, they Locking on someone as being an a, an ally and a position of power, can't trust them. They're, they're, our, our obvious enemy can't trust them. Our rival can't trust them. Helpless bystander, they're fine. That one is ours. They get very attached.
1: <laughs> this is true.
0: So, and then, you know, and you, you, just, and you just have the have the story happens to turn out that they happen to be the alien refugee or, or immigrant. And this guy, ah. And maybe putting them in peril is the way that you, you bring the whole thing around. I think I, I like
1: it. Yes, I think I would go with introducing the players to the existence of the, the alien hitchhikers, for want of a better word, through the weird things happening and people who've suddenly moved places for no readily apparent reason elsewhere. And then as they slowly start to realize that there's a connected pattern and trace it back, it traces back to their patch. Mm. I'm
0: not sure how you would do the subtle shift in demographics investigation in the role-playing game. To be honest,
1: I would riff on oh, there's an H.P. Lovecraft story that at least a bit of the time is based around somebody who keeps sort of finding himself in in places with absolutely no memory of how he got there. He's sort of clearly driven driven to this location, even though he doesn't know how to drive. Kind of territory. Mm. so you sort of throw in a few of these self-abduction cases, a few missing person we- weirdities, sort of linked in with some other stuff, because presumably, if you've got an ag- agency that's looking for aliens and that sort of thing, you're going to have more than one one sort of, of thing going on, and presumably these guys who are hiding in the shadows might want to keep a little bit informed as to what's going on.
0: It's a relatively rare case where you can do that to the players specifically though, that's something I'm that I'm aware of. I'm I'm up for it personally. I've had characters, you know, who've been in the states where they, you know, they they wake up in a pile of bodies and they have to check for pulses to work out what sort of night they had.
1: I probably wouldn't do it to the players specifically. I'd do it to you know, sort of Kate, yeah, this is case four seventeen B. Now read on. Mm. Yeah. If you could if you could do it right, it would be quite fun. It'd be tricky to do. It would be quite fun to have that slow realization of the players that, yeah, okay, so we've run into what is you know, sort of different people at these different investigation sites who all seem to have basically the same knowledge, and a couple of times have slipped up as though they seem to know us, and we've started to investigate. And wait a minute, has anybody looked at George recently? It would be it'd
0: be funny if the the their favorite coffee chain happened also to be a hive mind.
1: Nice. So the way that that uh, that coffee chain is that, that that little coffee stand is just so efficient, mm. and you
0: know when every time they
1: they go into
0: the the local branch, the the orders are always perfect.
1: Yeah, they know their order. It would be tricky to do. It'd be it'd be fun if you could land it. Mm. Even if you you couldn't land it, it'd be quite fun. But I suppose if you've done it right and you've introduced enough interesting NPCs, then you can just basically do the GM cheat of. Yeah. how do we make sure that the, the revelation of the murderer is a surprise? We listen to what the players are thinking and we make damn sure it's none of those. Um That's less
0: that that's a little bit more egregious. I think that if you're if you're playing a murder mystery game, there should be some it shouldn't just be a game of three card Monty. Um Well, no. I mean you, you need to you need to set up the clues so that it makes Sense, but when you're when like, like as I said, when the players suddenly cast around and go for that is our security blanket, it is our wobby, and we love it and hug it and squeeze it. That's who it is,
1: that's who it is because you cannot predict <laughs> that shit. <laughs> that is true, you cannot predict who the players are going to randomly adopt for no sensible reason other than their wobby will- security blanket. And sometimes, you know, sometimes
0: they become wildly suspicious about the person who is working the hardest to help them. So you've got to be a little bit, you got to, you gotta. it's not stacking the deck. It's making sure that you've got maybe a couple of spare decks just in case the first one catches fire.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yes. You're not stacking the deck. You've just shuffled half of another deck into it. Just to be on the safe side.
0: Pretty sure that's stacking the deck. But okay. <laughs> um,
1: I'd always assume stacking the deck was changing the order of
0: the cards. Eh, probably. But, you know, there is a reason that casinos will shuffle together shoes of six or eight. So as to increase the random likelihood of any given card card of any given value coming out. Or make it harder to estimate the likelihood. So I think that's that's not called stacking, but yes. Hmm.
1: I did have a conversation with somebody a while ago now where he was. He'd tried to do stuff involving a card game in an RPG and discovered that the problem with that is that your average hand of poker is really, really boring. Yep, and takes a while. Yep. Uh, my, my thought at the time was okay, remove every card between like two and nine and then play. You are going to get more interesting hands. This is true. Basically set it up so that you can get your miscellaneous flushes, but just take out... Yeah, increase the chances that you'll get that sort of stuff, because mostly you've got, hey, I've got nothing with a high card of a five.
0: And to be fair, poker is as much about the bluffing as anything, so it's probably a bad mechanic for role-playing games,
1: per se. Yeah, I mean, Deadlands used it as part of the magic system and I think part of the the building shit the mad science system but you weren't trying to you weren't actually playing a game you were just assembling the best hand you could yeah from the the pile of crap you got handed
0: so yeah yeah you weren't actually you weren't actually playing against another another party you were just trying to make Mm. best of the resources you had i suspect you could by
1: applying statistics probably do better than if someone just randomly went ah yeah okay i yes i think your your twist on it actually makes that idea of playable game. It would be interesting to try to do it as a sort of generic fantasy game. Yeah. Well, I have the idea of, because to a certain extent it's going to be an out of context problem. On the other hand, they would know about possession. True. They may not be as receptive to the idea though. I'm, I'm working on the theory that your players for, for all that they, uh, they sometimes try not to be are still going to be bog standard Western European 20th century sensibilities dropped into the Middle Ages as they never were. Right. Well, you use the meta in your, in your favor, but just imagining that the, the, local, the local adventuring troop being embroiled in various strange happenings, only to suddenly turn and slowly look at the helpful innkeeper.
0: It would be amusing to have, say, the innkeeper be like a bunch of gnomes in a coat or something like that.
1: And has been all along the
0: entire time it's been it's been a very very it's been a very like slight <laughs> glamour or something that they've been been working under. It was like, but yes, it' was like oh, okay, that's uh unexpected. I don't know if that's just for whimsy. I don't know if that makes a, 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 a specifically what you do to turn that into part of the game, but
1: it was a fantastic idea anyway. And given that I've been recently been listening to some old – I decided to listen to Monkeys Took My Jetpack from the start, they've been playing Zorcerer of Zoe, where that would fit just right in. It also
0: vaguely reminds me of a picture, a meme caption thing that I saw with a cat sitting on a sort of – a metal carport roof or veranda kind of thing that has taken a mighty knock for something and has got a big <laughs> dent in it. And the cat's like And the
1: cat is sitting right in the centre of the dent.
0: Yes. And this is how to spot if a cat is actually a polymorph dragon.
1: <laughs> nice. I I think I've seen the that's one heavy cat. Yeah, pretty much. Nice.
0: So it could be a it could be a flavour thing if that's your kind of the levels of wackiness that you get up to in your game. If if you don't think it's gonna punch all the paranoia buttons the players possess.
1: It is always the worry, the, the, the paranoia buttons. Uh.
0: uh actually, uh my wife suggested that the that obviously the Taylor Tinker Soldier Barista suggested that all baristas were part of a network of, of espionage agents. And and we tried to work out some sort of background, but the best one we got was hassute intelligence and and propaganda specialist training, enrollment and recruiting. Nice. The hipster program is clearly in full force. Mm. Yeah, that could go weird, though. I suspect, unless you made it some sort of modern-day uh, Austin Powers kind of thing. Yeah, well, you could go with the movie The Kingsman, hmm.
1: which covers your tailor situation.
0: Immaculately coiffed special agents and all that it has been a trope for a while, so.
1: Indeed. So in that case they're actually based out of a gentleman's
0: oh.
1: out outfitter, Kingsman, t- uh, the Kingsman Tailors or something. Right. So Taylor, tinker, yeah. There's maybe something there. We maybe leave that one up to an exercise for the or the long suffering audience. That mm-hmm. there is maybe something there of a bunch of different approaches to the the field of espionage, ranging from the immaculately quaffed agent, the gadgeteers, mm. the people who just plain out punch shit. So, early Daniel Craig Bond.
0: Yes, and also anything Jason Statham and so
1: forth, uh, like and done. Oh, so the entire X series of movies. Yeah, pretty much. And then barista being the, the the hipster approach. Well, yeah, okay, that could work for a given value of work. Hmm. I think have we, have we murdered that one enough? Do you think?
0: I think we have.
1: Right. Okay. Um, well, we also had some suggestions from. From the audience, based on previous episodes, there was some stuff from, from Trigger Happy 938. Because if we think back uh, a little while ago, to there was the episode with the Addictive Newspaper Inc. Hmm, yes. Where Trigger Happy writes, on the Addictive Inc. additive, I feel like it would be an equally compelling and far simpler villain motivation to have them underappreciate the madness side effect. They really are just trying to sell papers. And they either didn't realise the madness side effect would happen, underestimated how widespread it would be, or just view it as acceptable losses. Works both for robber Bar- barons of the time period and echoing modern climate science doesn't exist if it's not convenient issues issues and narratives.
0: Nice. You'd also go for the, the quasi-Victorian little bald character. And yes, it, it, it didn't affect the people, the, the, the fine upstanding folk we tried it on.
1: Well, I, I had chimed in with the um, the thought that if, you, if you've if you got an established game and you have an established, insert industry here, Baron, who the party has come up against before, and you know, have always basically done the Lex Luthor trick of they are insulated from liability for their schemes. Hmm. So you can bust up the scheme, but it never quite gets back to them. Right. Uh, sort of Teflon Don, Slick Willy approach. And then this person suddenly turns up and asks for the party's help. <laughs> yeah that would be a
0: that would be a nice turnaround it was like you know all those schemes that i'm not at all associated and you, you and my lawyer will have words if you insinuate such. well <laughs>
1: this one maybe <laughs> maybe we could ha- get get in front of this one yes i'll yes because and because the, the villain is being a dick because they know that the heroes will have to help trope is overdone I would go with the honest and contrite. We didn't know about the side effects. We just thought it'd help sell papers. If you don't help me find a way to stop this, the entire East Coast is going to tear itself apart, and I really, really don't want to go to jail. That is fair. Mm. Mm. <laughs> but yes, it would be kind of entertaining to the, yes, because the party almost but not quite have them over a barrel. It's going to be bad for everyone.
0: Well, they, they'll definitely have leverage on them uh, for, for next time. It's like... Mm. Especially if you want to expand their role as a as a good guy, bad guy. Actually, the I just was the name just surfaced. I was thinking about Taylors and spies. I was thinking about Garrick from Deep Space Nine, was a pretty um oh, yeah. pretty interesting esp- spy slash Taylor. So yeah, and there was another one from Trigger Happy. Also wrote on kid gloves. This is actually the primary motivation for the Slade deadshot, Slade slash deadshot in the Teen Titans comic. His son rebelled by going hero and ended up dead. He knows what fighting proper, proper villains entails. He doesn't like kids on the battlefield and just tries to remove them, though he's not nearly so gentle as, as the villain you're prompt. His major introduction is him sneaking up on Impulse slash Kid Flash and shooting
1: them in the kneecap while telling him kids don't wear capes that the next bit is what I had responded with, so from nice onwards was me.
0: Okay, all right, I'll do it in your voice. Nice, and vastly easier to misinterpret than our version. Suspicion based on the he must be up to something is one thing, but he claims to have shot a team crusader in the butt cheeks, and the help is much easier to interpret as standard-issue bad-guy behavior. And uh, also a more scary and relentless option than I think about it. There's a line from Lois McMaster Bujold's Paladin of Souls about the difference between a jailer who's keeping you confined because it's their job and one who's doing it out of love to keep you safe. If it's their job, they can slip up, get bored, lose focus, or be bribed or even be reasoned with. Someone keeping you imprisoned out of love is immune to those things. In this context, the villain is doing things out of genuine concern, so they're not going to stop or be reasoned with or get distracted by a bigger score.
1: It was just something that occurred to me that Yeah, the villain who genuinely thinks they're doing the right thing is way scarier than the guy who's in it because they're paid. True,
0: or you who's just financially motivated. was like, oh, this is getting convenient and I'm not making any money. Bye! Uh, To, you know, aha, I now have a cause. I now know what the the heroes are fighting for. My methods are completely inappropriate. Tally-ho! It's it's all
1: right. I'm a really good shot. I can shoot somebody through the buttock from miles away. It'll be fine. Oh, I'm the good guy here. Yeah, that I can see that not going down well. Mm, but it would be funny, followed by being scary.
0: Okay. So, and Kitamono had a suggestion regarding
1: I this is in response to the do not miss a visit to the muse. And Kitamono writes and I'll I'll it's mostly to introduce a link. Yeah. Oh well, your idea Craig reminded me of the anime Princess Tutu. It's a series about a girl who might be a duck or a magical girl or all of the above. I ran a game of my Magic Police setting. That one needs to be unpacked at some point.
0: Yeah, I, I, that implies all sorts of terrifying things.
1: Indeed, where they were dealing with the character and didn't know if she was a princess, a duck, or both. And I'll leave out the spoilers bits for hmm. for reference. But he has linked to a spoilerific Princess Tutu anime music video right which is actually pretty good
0: i would be intrigued in hearing more about the magical police setting i was like do you end up writing tic- yeah. tickets for you know pe- people transforming in public places or um <laughs> your transformation sequence not having enough sparkles in the appropriate spots transforming somebody you shouldn't be transforming oh, the the tra- a transformation sequence is a standard trope and in- lots of anime, but the Magical Girl stuff especially, where they cut to the stock footage of the character donning their uniform and generally a blaze of pastel sparklies. Oh. Some of them have no, like, manual change of clothes. It just kind of magically happens. Oh, just the bits float in, like...
1: Yeah. Like that bit in one of the Iron Man films.
0: That is definitely Tony Stark's transformation sequence. But imagine if he had, like... Like, that foot, her with Uri on ice.
1: Gotcha. <laughs> right. Or the bit that they were ripping off in Invader Zim with Gurr's transformation sequence, sort of the pastel star- sparklies, yeah. and then it pans down he's just putting on the dog suit. Yes, he's just pulling it on manually. Often yeah.
0: transformation sequences involve the characters being magically disrobed and then their, their costume forming out of diaphanous sparkles around them, and, you know, presumably it's all very chaste and so forth from the the camera's angle you know if someone was standing three feet to the left they'd presumably you know they they may be um
1: shocked they'd be getting an eyeful
0: yeah yeah so yeah maybe, okay. maybe that's that's a, a magic police issue obviously transforming band bystanders maybe making them part of your force for good even temporarily is probably a big no-no
1: Ah, so it was Form Voltron, except it just is basically you as the head and then a bunch of other people who are co-opted into it yep. against their will and possibly without their knowledge. Mm,
0: there's the, the 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 normal collateral damage. Speaking of which, there's a, an anime I've been race, watching recently called Re-Creators, where modern-day Japan, fictional characters start showing up and wrecking shit. One of them, who is a, a, a scholar from the back end of an MMO, takes on somebody by popping to the local Japanese civil defense force, picking up a bunch of anti-tank rockets, and just basically carrying them around in a cloud of (laughs) high-explosive murder. You know, to her credit, she's very contrite when she's told that they they each cost several million yen. (laughs) That's good. Yes. Also, I think it's on my Amazon Prime watch list. (laughs) It's pretty good. It's it's quite quite messed up on the basis that, yeah, some people have, like... Well, the fictional characters have very, very strong questions to read their, their creators. I was like, yeah, I just did it. <laughs> For their creators nice. regarding the circumstance of the, the world they created and
1: why does mine suck so bad? Admittedly, if anybody yeah, if anybody ever escapes from the Game of Thrones universe and finds their way to George RR R. Martin's house, yep. they're going to kick the shit out of him.
0: No one's got off lightly, so I think yes. As soon as they figure that bit out, they will probably have the, the means and wherewithal to track him down. and Yeah, probably introduce him to the pointy end of something.
1: Yeah, beat him to death with a Hugo Award or something. <laughs> yes. Cool. So I have seen the meme of, you know, I want to go to Hogwarts. I want to go to Narnia. Game of Thrones fans. Nah, I'm good. <laughs> yeah. That is kind of a... (sighs) Yes, of all of the fantasy universes to end up in, that's one to avoid.
0: Well, it's probably perfectly nice as long as you don't... Well, presumably it it was relatively as horrible as any age in human history, provided you're not within, like, vicinity of any of the great houses. Because, yeah... Oh, and the, yeah, the, the White Walkers. I, sorry, I forgot. The place is
1: completely screwed. And the White Walkers yeah, yeah. and the Slave Masters. Uh, Dorne seemed nice. <laughs> it seemed sunny.
0: Uh, they seemed a bit keen on poison and backstabbing.
1: Yeah, it's, it's probably worth not being very important. Yes. But either not being very important or being the person who knows how to make poisons and just being a poison seller. That, that might be easier.
0: Yeah, it might be a, might be a, a, a aesthetic living. Yes. Thank you, Katamono and Trigger Happy for some interesting ideas and fairly wonky anime suggestion.
1: <laughs> I have added it to my growing anime list. <sighs> Too much anime. Not enough time. All right. Well, that's, that's probably our episode, I think. Indeed. Do we know what the next one is? We do. It's time for the death robot. Had to happen. And what's the next episode? Oh, right. Okay, my bad. I'm not sure where we got it's time
0: for the death robot from. But yeah, I think you're also correct in saying that it was
1: inevitable. It was inevitably going to be a death robot. It just had to happen. Oh, no. It's from a Twitter handle, at C Hmm. From the episode Ghosts and Overdrive. Huh. Interesting. Ghosts and in Overdrive. I remember the existence of the episode. I mean, I haven't, I haven't completely forgotten everything we've ever done.
0: That's episode fifty. That was our uh, Gasscopes crossover.
1: Oh my god! Okay, so from a number of years ago now, mm-hmm. it's time for the Death Robot.
0: Well, and I suppose that we should probably foreshadow what, what's coming up very shortly. We have Craig on his way to GenCon. Woo! Which will be two weeks from when this drops.
1: Let me check my calendar, but I think so. Do 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 do. Yep. Uh what have we got? Bom boom. When does that drop? Yes, this one this one will almost a month now that I count sort of count the weekends. Yeah, this one drops. Ah twenty six. Death robot yeah, it's the death robot that drops a week before Gen Con. Mm-hmm. Okay. But still a month. I mean, if people are
0: planning on going to Gen Con and want to catch up with some scruffy former Antipodean. Displaced a geographer probably in flannel. I mean I could get some flannel.
1: I'll be staying at a hotel. I could just borrow the flannel.
0: No, the pattern.
1: Oh, my bad. Okay. Yes.
0: Do not go to Gen Con wearing a flannel. I I don't even want to be
1: associated with... It's cosplay. <laughs> well, as it is, yeah, a little bit, I think a few days ago as uh, when we recorded this, Gen Con have sold out of four-day badges.
0: Fair enough, but I don't which, think anyone's... Which the first one. Anyone Really? Is it? Is that the first time that's happened? It's
1: the first time that's happened. It's, it's the first time they've even... They, they get, did give a warning about it a while ago, uh, stating that you know, there had always been an attendance cap, because fire codes are a thing that exist. They were just approaching it faster than
0: ever before. Yeah,
1: they'd never gotten anywhere near it, whereas this, this time they're looking at it and saying, actually... And so they put out a warning, and now they've stopped sale of four-day badges, though... One day badges I think are still on sale. I don't know whether that's going to be the case at the convention. They may have reached the point where there will be no on the day sales. I'm I'm not certain on that one. Fair enough, but good warning. I mean I don't
0: think there's anyone who's
1: decided, Ah, oh, I might not go to Gen Con. I'll see if Craig's going. Oh god, I hope not. not. I really hope there's nobody in that situation. Because, yeah, I mean, seriously, seek professional help. (laughs) I'm a very boring man, honestly. Hey, you're going to Gen Con. That makes you interesting. I like to think so, but I kind of think I'm lying. It doesn't hurt, by the way. It's it's going to be a big Gen Con this year, it would appear. Mm. I have managed to get myself tickets to a game that is being played out on the field at the stadium, so I'm quite excited about that. Okay, quickly check... Does it tell you to bring pads or a helmet? That is a good point. Or body I paint. I will double check that. <laughs> oh right, for all the areas not covered by the flannel. Gotcha.
0: Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Oh dear. <laughs> it's I, the wrong sort of callback. Oh yes, that is. That is. Maybe it is time for the death robot. Maybe. Maybe we.
1: <laughs> we maybe. always knew the day would come. Make it quick. <laughs> yeah. And on that note, I think, good night, listener. We are genuinely sorry.
0: Yes, we could be more sorry, but it wouldn't be genuine. Bye-bye.
1: Want to hear more of our shenanigans?